podcast by artists for artists we talk cash shit about everything sometimes we get messy and it all counts as art because we say so i'm mel i'm black and a woman and an artist so you know what it is 20 some odd jobs for one paycheck this week i'm a vodka taste tester a conflict resolution moderator for black femme rappers and i also freelance for the marvel cinematic universe as a consultant on the black experience spoiler they often don't budget enough for my expertise <laughs> Yo, what's up? My name is Maximiliano, with three eyes, coming live from our new studio with the Melanie Stevens. Excited to finally do it. Whoop, whoop. It's episode 30 of Who All Gonna Be There? 3-0. Let's go. <laughs> Subscribe to be a Patreon. Subscribe to be a patron of NTP, because there's tons of great perks supporting us, duh. We also have an exclusive Patreon-only podcast episodes one we just recorded earlier and it is hot y'all and our now legendary patreon exclusive long-running zine publication book of sedition ntp we got an etsy with all of our publications and our newest one black abbey we got totes we got buttons we got advice and all of our buttons are now limited edition and small run so collect your buttons keep your buttons save your buttons future currency Subscribe to us on iTunes and all streaming platforms. Follow us at Nat Turner Project on all the social medias. Got a question or comment? Want to confess your love of Melanie or me? Email us at natturnerproject0 at gmail.com. Because without the zero, it goes to some white lady on the East Coast. Say less. All right, y'all. So I know you can't see us, but today... Um, it is just Max and I, and we are in the new podcast recording studio at Pika. Um, so we're feeling extra fancy while we talk our shit. And we are sipping some vodka cocktails that I have made to anoint this experience. Um, so I would like to start this off by doing a little toast with Max. 
Um, we started off as two crazy kids um, curating art in a bathroom. Um, and here we are now, five years later, still doing the damn thing. Here's to you, Max. Here's to you, Melanie. Chin chin. Chin chin. So refreshing. <laughs> so, what are we talking about today for our 30th episode? We're talking about a bunch of shit, Melanie. We're talking <laughs> a bunch of shit about a bunch of shit. <laughs> and um, we're going to start. <laughs> we're going to start first with um, something I've been wanting to talk to you about um, <laughs> The Falcon and The Winter Soldier mm. on Disney Plus. Mm-hmm. On The Disney Plus. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, what was it, six episodes? Yes. It was a shorter run than WandaVision. Right. Which, and um, it's finally all out now. Yes. Um, Molly, start us off. Would you initial thoughts, um, overview? Initial thoughts. Um, I will say this. Chris Evans is a very good-looking human being. Um, and those are some tough shoes to fill. Um, but the person that they uh, brought out to replace him who is, by the way, Kurt Russell and Goldie Hawn's son. I don't know if you knew that. Um, when he first appeared in that first episode, I was like, who the hell is this? And why does his face look like that in the mask? <laughs> Wyatt Russell. Yes. Yeah. Who I'm sure is a very attractive human being, but I feel like the costume department could have gotten him a mask that fits his face better. Do you think that was part of it? Part of the intention, like maybe it doesn't fit him correctly. It did not do him any favors. Yeah. But yeah, the uniform never fit. Captain America never fit. Indeed. Um, what's his name? John Walker. They gave him such a, a white Walker. American name, right? Yes, that was, that was the whitest of white names. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I guess anything whiter would have been like a Jefferson. <laughs> John Jefferson, yeah. <laughs> um... Initial thoughts, um, you know, I think that Sam and Bucky have great chemistry. I like seeing them together on screen. Um, the person that I watched it with, my housemate, um, has a ridiculous kind of like fanfic crush on them together. So <laughs> I think that they played on that really well. Um, we're just doing initial thoughts, right? Sure. Okay. Um, I think that it did a good job of kind of building on the previous histories of the MCU, so I was drawn in by that initially. What about you? Um, yeah, let's see. What was I thinking? I was initially, I was excited for, um, more MCU content, but yeah, like a nice change of pace. Um, I felt a little underwhelmed maybe by some of the beginning stuff, like Mm -hmm. the level of action, I think, adjusting to... Um, the Falcon being the main, the main source of uh, powers or magic or tech or whatever felt way less compared to what we're used to. Um, yeah, I don't know. I feel less. I think I maybe appreciated the chemistry between um, Sam and Bucky in the movies a little bit more. I felt like I maybe I wanted more of it in the show mm. or was like less sold on these like two being this um you know latest version of this very iconic um black white buddy cop <laughs> vibe <laughs> you know <laughs> um 48 hours 
Yeah. <laughs> um, what were some of my other initial thoughts? Um, I some of the initial more earlier episodes thought they were gonna, I was gonna they were gonna go deeper mm. with it than they did. Yeah. So I like had you know some momentary expectations, and then um, it really went real Disney, I guess, by the end of it. So maybe without saying more about those things, maybe those are my initial thoughts. Um, as we get further into the story, I had some concerns. Um, this sort of uh, habit that MCU has of dealing with race without dealing with uh, without dealing with race explicitly. Um, it feels like a cop out. So you give you have Sam and Bucky as BFFs, and then you give John Walker a black um, BFF. Um, you give John Walker a black wife, um, but you don't really talk about race, um, except with the one character, um, what was his name? Um, Isaiah Bradley. Isaiah Bradley. Um, and I think that even with that, they could have delved so much deeper into it. See, that's what I, that's what I thought. That's why I, when they first introduced that character, I was like, is he going to like is he going to end up being Captain America? Is there going to be some moment where he, like, actually has an action scene or some fight scene? So is it, they, like, alluded to him still being able to, like, fuck some shit up. Mm-hmm. Um, so I didn't know if, if we were going to see that, if there was going to be something like that. Um, <clears throat> yeah, no, I agree with you about this, like, patina of um, racial awareness or, like, delving into, like, anti-blackness. Um, and I think there was, like, some surface scenes to, like, when the when what like Bucky and Sam are like arguing in the street after first seeing mm. Isaiah Bradley, then the cops come and it's like all these things, but I feel like it's still very surface. It didn't go anywhere. It didn't right. like lead to this like change or anything. Um, and then um, yeah, then what? So they're both blipped, right? They're both Sam and Bucky are both two people that were snapped. Yes. In um, Infinity War. And so they're both two of the people that were gone from the Earth for five years. Right. Um, and then they came back at the end of Endgame, helped defeat Thanos. So they're there for that. But, um, yeah, so part of the premise is, right, that um, Sam's family has been struggling on their own for the last five years, um, trying to, like, maintain... His sister has been trying to maintain um, their parents, like, boating, fishing, um, whatever the business was, I'm not sure what type of boat-based business? I obviously, I actually don't remember either. I just know they were on the boat and trying to fix the boat. Right. <laughs> um, but yeah, so like, and then of course, still like this, I feel like there's so many things that came up that didn't ever feel resolved. And it's like, oh, mm-hmm. just like in this world, it doesn't matter. Like this yeah. idea of heroes not having any money or the idea that even like Sam Wilson um, can't get a loan. Yeah. And then they're trying to like, again, another, like in trying to like, um, maybe de- delve, delve into like uh, anti-black banking policies mm-hmm. or things like that but then again it's very like we never it never comes up again right yeah I think it's all to set up the the big speech at the end yeah which but. we'll get to that um, <laughs> I think we also have to talk about this habit um, that I started noticing with Black Panther but I think has been there from inception of creating these characters that are sort of radical uh, ideology radical ideology adjacent um so they're like relatable but then having them commit some sort of heinous act that colors that whole ideology 
Um, so, I, I mean, I forget what the, what the big bads were. Like what the they were flag called. smashers. The, yeah. Um, headed by someone who read to me like a biracial black femme. Yeah. Which, again, doesn't get addressed. Um, and the optics of what happens to her later, we'll get to that. Okay. Um, but, yeah, these are people who have been, like, who live in areas that have been colonized um, and all their shit has been fucked up and they've been fucked over by the system. So they have a reason to re retaliate. But then they give them these like half-baked plans that are not really, um, there's no real like substance behind them and they have them committing these heinous murders which seem, you know, amoral so that they come off like villains. And it's it, this, it's this insidious way of connecting radical ideology with villainy, and I don't like it. Yeah. No, yeah, I completely agree. I think um, they try to, yeah, they try to make interesting characters or complex villains by, like, making it feel real world or they're somehow um, standing up for, like, refugees, all these people that have been affected by mm -hmm. the, or I guess not the, the reappearance of people. So I said, I guess after five years of the half the population being gone mm -hmm. was the blip, right? So there's a snap which removed half the population and then the blip returned the the missing half of the population, mm -hmm. still five years younger than everybody else, right? Um, and then that caused, you know, crises and issues all over the world. And so the flag smashers have like risen up behind the, or to like address that. But yeah, I think, um, I think they tried to make the characters complex but i think they made them really flat mm -hmm. it was really hard to like be convinced by their motivations of like oh we're gonna do this or we're gonna do that when um yeah i feel like they could have been so much more interesting um yeah that um the person that leads the flag smashers i forget her i don't know the uh, actor's name um but is the same one that's in i don't know if you saw solo no um but um she's like in one of the last scenes of solo where like she's like part leader of like some local group that like fights whatever gang is like controlling shit in the movie okay so it's like the second time i've seen her um so it seems like maybe her career is like starting to pop and stuff which is cool i'd be i'd be down to see like her act more and stuff um but yeah it felt the the villain felt flat i mean i felt like you they i feel like it, the thing with most marvel movies is not really about the villains it's just about all the heroes dealing with being heroes mm -hmm. and the villains sometimes just like leave follow like you know, are the reason the story takes place, but it's really about, like, Sam, Bucky, then America as a concept, but then, like, John Walker and, um, mm -hmm. what was his name, Battlestar, or Lamar Hopkins. Yeah. Battlestar, um, <clears throat> who is in the comic, too. Oh. Um, and then, yeah, because, like, uh, so what else, yeah. Um, then we see, yeah, we see a little bit of Baron Zemo from, um, Civil War. Mm-hmm. Um, mm -hmm. I feel like they fleshed out his character. They had no problem giving him a way more complex character. I don't, I don't necessarily like what they did to his character, though. Oh yeah. Like in Civil War, he reads as this like working class person who was wronged by the Avengers, like inadvertently, um, and then they flesh him out by making him rich and like entitled and. <laughs> I don't know how I feel about that. How did you feel about that? 
Well, it, it aligns with the comics because he was always like a rich baron in the oh, comics. Oh, I didn't know that. And I think they like removed that yeah from Civil War and like they did definitely make him seem like he was he was more of an everyman mm-hmm. versus like I was a baron that lost my family. Mm-hmm. You know that was never comes up. Um, <clears throat> but I mean, I do like the actor, so I was like I was fine to see him like do more stuff. But, you like um, him walking around in his circa two thousand one <laughs> long fur, long coat with the fur collar. You like that? Um, I didn't dislike it, <laughs> <laughs> but I like um. I think his name's like Daniel Berg or something. Daniel Brug. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, so I thought like I, again, I thought that wasn't essential to the plot i feel like now marvel's getting trapped up and like introducing all these other things mm-hmm. in order to like i didn't feel like that was needed for the plot um i think it was like a reason to like have a wakanda connected more mm. i think they're trying to set up stuff with like bucky going back to wakanda at some point yeah um then um yeah, I feel like, yeah, trying to set up Bucky, but also trying to set up more Baron Zemo stuff. I think they're definitely not that's far from the last we're going to see of him. Yeah, yeah. Especially now that he's, like, in his traditional, like, costume, the comic form now. Mm-hmm. Um, I did like the appearance of the Dora Milaje. They came to kick ass and leave. Yeah, no, I love that. I love the Dora Milaje. I love them um, taking apart uh, Winter Soldier's arm. Mm-hmm. I also love them. Folks are mad about that on the timeline. They were like... Um, do the Dormilaje not trust him? I'm like, this motherfucker committed treason. Did you miss that part? Yeah, he, he was a brainwashed soldier. Like, who knows if he's gonna fucking lose his mind again or whatever. He's lucky they didn't kill him. They would have been. Yeah, he killed him. King T'Chaka. Yes. Lest we forget. Or no way, it was Zemo, right? Z- Zemo, yeah. Yeah, Zemo's the one that did the bomb. Right? Yeah. Was it the winter convinced the winter soldier to do the bomb? I can't remember. That, that whole plan was convoluted. Yeah. We will not get into that. No. <laughs> <laughs> um. And then so so what happens? since so John Walker becomes the new Captain America. Mm-hmm. Sam, um, who has a shield at the end of uh, Endgame, mm-hmm. gives the shield over to the U- to United States government. The United States government creates a new Captain America, mm-hmm. a non super soldier, white dude, all American. Um, so wait, let me stop you there. Do you feel that Sam was naive to give the shield to the United States government and to not take up the helm of Captain America? Yeah, I think he was a little naive. Okay. I think um, I think it was a lot of things. I don't think it was just like naivety, naivete. Um, I just I don't know if a non-conservative black man would have made those choices. I don't know. I could be wrong. No, I mean, I, I, I agree with you. I mean, when you say that, it makes me like, yeah, would somebody even take up the the shield with the stars and stripes on it or, like, you know, paint it a different color or change, try to change the, right. the symbols or the logo? Right. Um, but Sam, I mean, I think that's, like, what we have to remember. Sam was, like, in the military. Right. When we first meet him, was, like, a military vet recovering from, like, wounds. That's why he first gets his wings and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's always been, yeah, he's always, I feel like he's always been very pro-state. Mm-hmm. Also, too, like, they're superheroes. I feel like they have a lot of, like, a working relationship with, like, the United States government or whatever government exists after uh, the blip or the snap. Yeah, sure, sure. Um, and then, so, yeah, so then the United States creates a new Captain America. Um, and then, yes, like, as you said, he has a black, he has a black assistant, a black sidekick mm-hmm. um, who does not get a shield or, or a mask. 
Let me uh. say this. The sole purpose of Lamar, like, they fridged him. He was plot advancement. Something had to happen to him to incite this reaction in John Walker. That was his whole point, and that pisses me off. I thought we were over that. We were, I thought we were overusing black side characters as plot advancement. No, I don't. I mean, I think, yes, even especially, like, as you said, like, um, to give him a black side character that he's, he's avenging is supposed to, like, I think make John Walker so much more multidimensional or whatever. It's mm-hmm. like Disney's attempt to being, like, you know, he's like, yeah, sure, he, he killed somebody, but he was doing it for his black best friend. And, that, and how did he avenge him? By murdering, quite gruesomely, a POC. Right, who wasn't actually the person that killed him. Who wasn't actually the person that killed him. Right. Um, and then, yeah, it seems like maybe... He, and then, yeah, so John Walker again eventually becomes a super soldier. Um, mm-hmm. has, his, has, yeah, has his best friend killed. Um, eventually loses the shield to Bucky and Sam. Mm-hmm. They join forces, beat him up. Um, Sam gets new armor, but doesn't open it yet. Um, <laughs> then what happens? Um, I feel like I'm a little... But at some point, they all... All the things collide. There's a big battle at the end of it um sam is now in his captain america outfit okay um, um can we talk about that a little bit uh there was a big jump between that little training montage that sam had in the field with the with the shield and then sam as captain america that could have been a whole episode it should have at least been five minutes that's that's what i don't understand is that shield seems like it could kill somebody like, by throwing it and having it hit back that he can catch it, that, like, he wouldn't just automatically be, like, murdered mm-hmm. by that shield. Mm-hmm. I'm, and I feel like that's, like, the typical comic book can, what's, like, what's the power level when it's convenient kind of thing but, like, and then and then still, like, I feel like so much of what was supposed to be, like, Captain America's feats was that he was a super soldier, able to, like, throw this shield, have it come back, do all these, like, flips and jumps, but then they're showing that both Sam and John Walker can still, like, use the shield just as well. Mm-hmm. And then it also made the the other super soldiers, like, the no-name super soldiers, so much less... They made them seem so much less strong. Yeah. And, like, they somebody... Some of them are killed with a single bullet. Mm-hmm. I was like, when the... F does that ever happen? I've never seen, like, Captain America get, like, taken down by a single bullet. Mm-hmm. Um, but, again, I think that's, like, plot armor or, you know, this illogical use of power or whatever. Mm-hmm. But it's a little annoying. <laughs> um, and we also need to talk about one of the biggest, weirdest plot holes in the MCU and the Captain America universe, Peggy's grandniece or whatever. Sharon and how Carter. she what's what's her name? Is it Cheryl Carter? Something like that. Yeah. I don't know. Some generic ass name. Uh-huh. Is it Emily? Who knows? It what? might be. <laughs> um so she and Captain America used to date before he decided to quit the Captain America gig, go back in time and be with Peggy. The fact that they never addressed that weird ass time, like break, like break in the space time continuum, whatever, I'll give them that. But now they've gone and made her evil. Um, and they've made her responsible for killing the biracial antagonist with no resolution she's just she's a big bad that's just chilling on the side right now on one hand i'm happy about female villains i like that 
On the other, I just feel like that character wasn't given enough backstory to make me care. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I think, I mean, if I was Steve Rogers, I don't know if I would ever bring up that conversation with Peggy <laughs> in my new alternate life. Um, I like that because I like, that's Captain America. I'm Steve Rogers, like Captain America in another timeline. Steve oh, okay. That, is, is that how that works? I don't know. It depends on what time he went back, right? But if he if he didn't if he like went back to the 1940s and he never dated her niece. No, but he went back to 1940 in 2019 or whatever. So he had dated. Right, and so in his like timeline, he originally <laughs> dates her, goes back in time, but goes to a Peggy where. Um, the niece has not existed yet mm-hmm. so in that timeline he wouldn't have dated no that's not how it works <laughs> no he went back in that timeline as his 2019 self so he had had all those experiences he was just inserting himself in that timeline right in a timeline yeah so so he she hasn't existed yet in that timeline when he goes back to first started dating Peggy well no but he did those things yeah, I guess in in some okay, in some theories. That's a little slippery for me, but okay. It is it is slippery. The <laughs> the timeline defense is becoming more and more common. I'm I'm hearing so. <laughs> that was a different timeline. So <laughs> I'll have to use that. Um. So do do you, like how do you feel she could be made to be a more compelling villain? Because they're obviously setting her up. I don't know, too. I think, like, it's so weird to go back. Like, I think so much of the show is, like, going back to, like, a smaller universe. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, I want my villain to, like, be an alien and have a bunch of, like, powers. Mm. And you're just, like, a person with a gun and have you you have technology and stuff like that. Um, (laughs) Who wants money. (laughs) Right, right, right. I was like, that seems small fries compared to, like, (laughs) Thanos or whatever. Um... So, like, maybe maybe that's why she doesn't seem that compelling of a villain to me. Like, I feel like just the, the level of villainy is low compared to, like, we're still coming off of... Even WandaVision was a smaller show, but that's still dealing with, like, very powerful people. Yes. Um, Vision, Wanda, And Agatha. I feel like the concepts were more highbrow. Yeah. Because WandaVision was dealing with trauma and grief um, and this kind of loss um, of a future... I don't feel like Falcon and Winter Soldier are dealing in the same sorts of things. I think maybe, I feel like it, it tried to talk about race in a very Disney way. Yeah. Um, well, we're going to solve it by the end of the movie. We're all going to get like milkshakes together. Oh, let's, um, let's talk about Sam's speech, little speech at the end. Right, so yeah, so the, so the show ends. Um, the, the antagonist, she's dead. She's killed by uh, the power broker, Sharon uh, Carter. Again, the, the, the antagonist is a biracial black femme. Yes. And then um, who else? Uh, the French guy, George GSP's dead. Mm-hmm. Um, some flag smashers get away. Um, John Walker has his redemption, so he's a I'm, hero again. Or he I becomes, must miss that redemption because and that's he another, becomes exonerated. No, unacceptable. Well, <laughs> he does. Um, <laughs> and then um, yes, yeah, so, so then Sam has this. At the end of it, everybody's arrested. There's a, a big crowd gathered. The media is there, but also all the leaders of, like, their version of the UN are there. And Sam's like, you know, I know you guys can't do everything. I know you guys can't fix everything. But he's like, he's like a long speech about being a black man in America, wanting change, but knowing change can't happen overnight or something about, um, what was it? Rich people can do stuff. He's like, if you can move them, you can't move them. It was some appeasing centrist bullshit. It was. It was very, like this is how it's ending is like 
we're all gonna figure it out together and then um and then they did the electric slide on the dock and had a barbecue it was yeah. bullshit okay or then what they try to like make bucky the the good white man by just like quietly standing there and nodding and not saying shit <laughs> and then being like i'm proud of you or you did, you did the right thing you're captain america you're captain america now it was so it was so ridiculous and then um they give they give isaac bradley uh like a little shout out in the Captain America Museum. Um, yeah. Okay. Okay. I want to talk about that. Okay. Um, Max, I just want to let you know that if the government had cruelly and illicitly wronged me for about five decades, and then you come to me and show me my name and a picture in a museum as a way of like proving that all is forgiven. I will hurt you. Okay. <laughs> in the in the new corner, we have to like go back to the back of the building, <laughs> around some corners, and turn yeah, around. We're not <laughs> friends anymore. If you do that, I'm yeah. just saying. Okay. <laughs> yeah. No. Hell yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that's what happened, right? Oh yeah. So we didn't really get into like the whole black Captain America, not like Sam Wilson, but this Isaiah Bradley character. Yes. Of like being based on, I mean, real life uh, experiences of examples mm-hmm. of. Um, black soldiers, black World War II soldiers being tested on, um, experiment on getting syphilis. I heard syphilis. that tear gas was experimented on black people. Yeah, I can believe that. Yeah. Like, yeah. And so the theory is, I don't care, I can't remember if this is exactly the same in the comics, I think in the comics, like, he was before Captain America, mm-hmm. and it's like they were fucking up the serum until they got it right, and then they finally gave it to a white person, which in the MCU they say, like, they try to replicate Captain America with these black people after he was frozen, but I think in the actual comics, because they like mentioned five or six like other like black soldiers that had the serum, right? Uh-huh. Um, I think in the comics they were the ones that had it before, and it was like, imperfect. And by the time they get it perfect, is when they give it to Steve Rogers. Um, is how it goes in the comics. So that's different than the wow. <laughs> than the book. I mean, than the movie or the show. Um, yeah, but they didn't go there at all. So yeah, he was like this uh, test subject. He was this test experiment. For all these years and then was imprisoned um, for a number of years for defying the United States government mm-hmm. and then had to live like a secret life or a non-known life. Um, which, yeah. which brings me to my other question. What happens now that you've put this man's face and picture in the museum and people know about him? That doesn't feel very safe either. Yeah, I don't know if that's going to like the setup for another series of stories, mm-hmm. but like at what point? we would get those stories if we would at all or they're like i feel like you know marvel's like you know sets up all these potential things and then ways to see like where people want them to go with it or whatever maybe true, true. um but again yeah i don't know how deep we would ever get with it even if it, they did explore it further um it'd be a very sanitized disney gentrified <laughs> version of um racial history or whatever fair enough but yeah, no, yeah, I'm not not into the the Falcon USA um, suit outfit. Oh wait, we forgot to mention John Walker is now in a black Captain America. Yeah, now he's a U.S. agent licensed to kill. Yeah. Um, off the grid, the shadow, shadow Captain America. So no repercu- repercussions for killing POC in broad daylight on camera in this brutal manner no it didn't even seem like he had trauma from it he was like happy and smiling his um his wife was cool with it his um, black wife yeah. who had no speaking lines Mm-mm. 
Be like, you ready to do this, John? You're like, yeah, I got it. And then that's all we see from her. <laughs> like, Tracy and I were watching this, and, like, when that happened, and the black wife just kind of, like, nodded, we just looked at each other like, who the fuck wrote this? Mm-hmm. Like. <laughs> yeah, and then you had um, Eileen from uh, Seinfeld yes. as uh, some character I don't Elaine. really know. Elaine. Elaine, right. <laughs> uh um, but yeah so so who knows i feel like i was very very surprised the ending took a left turn but now looking back at it it seems like it was going in that direction all along mm-hmm. um so yeah maybe 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 disney tried to take on race i don't know um, how well they did or what we would ever really expect from a Disney Plus. Do we really want Disney to take on yeah. this? What we you really know, want like, is Disney to give black people money and resources so that they can take on race. I mean, I think even more than that, because I was thinking about it too, like I feel like Disney is such a, a force or entity of like the concept of gentrification, the Disneyfication mm. of everything, the sanitization of stories of, um, you know, like even like how Disney started with taking like violent folk tales and fairy tales and like deeply sanitizing them mm-hmm. um i think they've just been sanitizing life and continue to do so and mm-hmm. we continue to sanitize part of uh modern american propaganda contemporary america and what that looks like yeah um <laughs> uh, are you watching any other shows or movies um i am what am i watching um did you watch Mortal Kombat? I did watch Mortal Kombat. What did you think? Um, I was my I had zero expectations. I thought it was gonna be like a complete like shit show. Mm-hmm. Um, so honestly, it was better than I expected. Mm-hmm. Um, I was I was entertained. I um, it wasn't as bad as I thought. Um, obviously, I still had the same like issues. Obvi- I mean, ob- the character I already knew about the character of Jax. Right. And I already knew that was gonna exist, but still like. You know, not into uh, black body horror exclusively, specifically on the one black character. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And then, um, what else? Um, yeah, I guess I, I, th- I was I was more entertained than I thought I would be. Okay. Um, yeah, I guess it wasn't that bad. All right, I'm going to keep, keep it 100. Um, I did not get through the whole movie, and here's why. Um... They released the first seven minutes yeah. for free. I watched those first seven minutes, which were fucking amazing, and I expected the rest of the movie to live up to that. Did you think it was going to be, like, in that time? What do you mean? Like, in that timeline or time? No, but just, like, the same quality in terms of, like, gravitas and acting uh-huh. um, and production value and, like, the um, like fight sequences. Um, we got about 40 minutes into the movie, and the fight sequences were not happening often enough for me. We didn't even get to the damn tournament because I was just like, let's stop and just watch something else. Um, like, um, and I'll try again, maybe. But what I expected was like, you know, more fight sequences, like every five to ten minutes. And they were trying to give this half-assed plot with these people who can't act. Like, I don't care about this. Yeah, no, they're, um, I was surprised by that, too, because they don't even go that route. There actually isn't a tournament. What? <laughs> There's no tournament? They don't make it to a tournament. It's just a bunch of, like, pre-fighting, pre-tournament fighting. Mostly. No! Yep. No, that's unacceptable. I think they're setting up for, like, a future uh, movie will be the actual tournament, but there's actually no 
Mortal Kombat. And they know what we came here for, okay? <laughs> I know. I was surprised by that. I was like, oh, is the tournament not going to start? I was like, they're not going to do the tournament at all. Because, like, like, the bad guys keep breaking the rules or whatever, kept showing up. I mean, like, and then, because it's always, like, the little I know about Mortal Kombat is that the Elder Gods don't give a fuck about anything. Mm-hmm. And they, like, let the Shadow Realm or Nether Realm or whatever it's called, Outworld, do whatever they want. So that's what was happening the entire movie was just, like, they're showing up again, trying to kill the people before the tournament even starts. <laughs> And then they all go to like Raiden's hideout. Um, well, shit, I'll just wait until the next one because I'm here yeah. for the tournament. Like, yeah. nostalgia will only stretch so far for me. Well, yeah, see, so I think too, like, I didn't, I only had seen really like the first two movies in the 90s mm-hmm. and played like a little bit of the video game. I love the first movie. Yeah, I love the first movie. Yes, I still remember that song, okay? Yeah, the Mortal Kombat. Mortal Kombat. No, that was good. Um, and yeah, I only know the video games vaguely, um, but it seemed like yeah, they were packed full of like game references and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, I loved the first one. The first one like actually happens. Like there actually is a Mortal Kombat. Yeah. Um, there's actually like way more fighting. This one felt like way more like CGI and stuff. Yeah. Um, like, I don't care about this damn fight with this dragon. That's not why I'm here. Yeah. Like, what? The, oh, reptile. Yeah. Yeah, they, see, like, in the in the first one, reptile was still, like, a human. Yeah. Or he could still transform into a human. But, yeah, now it's like, that's not even Mortal Kombat. You're, like, fighting. Is this aliens? Is this, you're, like, fighting a monster versus, like, even fighting something. Um, yeah. So, but, yeah. That's Mortal Kombat. All right. I'm going to get a refill. Okay. I feel like it's just something you say and repeat. <laughs> I was like, oh no, it actually has meaning. <laughs> All right, so let's talk about Dante Wright, Adam Toledo, Micaiah Bryant, and Andrew Brown Jr. So a rough week last week. Yeah, I mean, yeah, some of these, um, I feel like Andrew Brown Jr was on the news or started to be on the news yesterday but i think it happened um maybe a couple weeks ago but it's mm. just the family was finally able to see the body cam footage or they saw 20 seconds of the body cam footage and up until that point um they didn't know or hadn't known what was going on so then um yeah just yesterday or today um the family saw the 20 seconds of the body cam footage and then were able to make what they saw that part public um where it's in north carolina um he appears to, or I, I haven't seen any footage or anything, so I'm trying to remember the, what they were saying. Um, he's, like, in his car. His hands are on a ceiling, steering wheel. Um, some sheriff's uh, truck car is, like, blocking him in the driveway. Mm-hmm. And um, I guess the sheriffs are yelling at him. He's not doing anything. He's motionless standing there, or sitting there, you know, hands on the steering wheel. Um, I'm sure it's scared as fuck just trying to, you know, be... No, not movement, you know, at least threatening as possible or whatever that even means. Mm-hmm. And then the sheriff's department, um, a bunch of officers come up running, already shooting. Um, he proceeds to sit there, um, not moving as they're shooting at his car. And then I think the sheriff, like, go up to him and, you know, like, shoot him in the head or whatever. And they, the family calls it an execution. And then so, so far, um, maybe this is, like, an effect of the Derek Chauvin stuff, but so far... Um, um, I think two or three sheriffs or sheriff's deputies uh, have already been put on um, probation or paid leave or whatever it's called. And I think another seven are like stepping down or something. So it seems like this is going to be potentially a big scandal for whatever sheriff's department this is. 
um, because I think a number of people are already preparing to be fired or two people have already retired I guess maybe they're close to retirement it's like I guess we'll just retire instead of like Mm. dealing with any of the bullshit but um so yeah that was Andrew Brown Jr. and that was I feel like maybe the most recent um but still just another like yeah another brutal treatment of um people and then um yeah Dante Wright Adam Toledo um, Micaiah Bryant I've like I guess been I feel like in the news more often and uh, those have been more familiar but um still all occurring um, you know, post George Floyd trial, during the George Floyd trial, um, as the verdict's being read, mm-hmm. right? These things are still happening. So to to our uh, so extra um, conversation, yeah, like what changes? What's changing? Nothing's changed. Nothing. If anything, um, <clears throat> COVID ending has just given to the rise of mass shootings again. Um, police shooting black people. Police shooting uh, people. Police shooting unarmed people, police shooting people of color. Um, and then also, too, I, I feel like that's what's different, maybe for me, what I see as the biggest difference is a lack of, um, what's the word, action that um, was happening at this time last year or was starting to yeah. um, happen um, around this time last year. And there obviously is like not even a percentage of that especially like obviously like i know i can speak most specifically to like the city i live in mm-hmm. of portland oregon um seeing portland oregon's outpouring last year compared to this year now that as i just said um on and the like, other episode uh salamatu brought that up right? yeah um about this kind of groundswell of public interest in um police brutality um and this kind of general pledge to you know, do active listening and learn about how to be anti-racist while buying um, books from white people and um, sending black people and black organizations money and how that completely dropped off after like three or four months. Yeah, yeah, so where where is that energy now? Um, I think, yeah, white people are vaccinated and they're just back to enjoying their lives, mm-hmm. enjoying the summer. The summer is here. Everybody's ready for the summer. Um, and white people obviously don't have to worry about shit, um, so they're able to go back to Mexico, Puerto Rico, mm. wherever white people with vaccines go. Where they can um, infect the people who live there. <laughs> yeah, right. So, so yeah, so, like, so there's that. I mean, yeah, where where is any of this out- action, um, outcry support? Not that it needs to be, but obviously it's like that was the only difference between George Floyd getting killed last year. It wasn't news to black people. It wasn't news to people of color. Um, the outrage wasn't new. The outrage was old. The only thing that was different um, last year was that white people actually were upset or pretended to be upset or got caught up in some white people being upset for a few months. Um, mm-hmm. And then now that becomes like a moment in history. Where's that? Like, remember those three months where white people were mad about <laughs> racism or pretending to be mad? I think maybe like 10% were mad and the other 80% was like, well, we're sheep, so we have to go along with it. And it's like, <laughs> we don't want to be looked to be the bad white or whatever. And then... And then, and then all these white people were trying to do, right, trying to prove that they're the good whites, were stripping over themselves all the time, constantly being told by people that they weren't, <laughs> like, actually being anti-racist, weren't just perpetuating more violence. And then they're like, well, I tried, so fuck this. <laughs> you know, I, tried, I, I posted my black square, and all I got was hate. And, you know, I tried to do, make my if difference. If you're going to be rude about this, <laughs> then. Yeah, yeah so I think, I think that was a vibe of a lot of people. Um, some people in particular that we had interactions with, um, you know their 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 donations, their um, NTP 
guilt payments uh, lasted all of a couple months. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so like I feel like you know the shit, shit hasn't changed. Um, we're still in the same boat, and the only thing that's changed is I feel like white people's attention or care or awareness of it. Yeah. And we're just back to business as usual. Yeah, and I think that you know Max and I have sort of alluded to the fact that we're both abolitionists. Um, neither one of us really feels that this system, um, this police state, is sustainable um, for you know the life of black people. Um, it has to go. It's the whole thing is rotten from the core, um, and there's no way to fix it. And that's just how we feel. Um, I am. I don't really have anything to say about the continued deaths of black people that I haven't said before, because um, I'm living in it and I'm existing in it, and I'm numb, and you know, in a constant state and undercurrent of despair. I don't know what to do. Um, I don't know how to stay here. So that's just where I'm at with it right now. Yeah. Yeah, I don't want to do. I feel like this was like um, part of the question I asked you earlier. I feel like the only thing I do is I get more annoyed at white people and then lash out more often at white people seemingly enjoying their lives. <laughs> um, so yeah, I feel like, yeah, so I feel like that's what I, like, I don't know how constructive or useful that is where I just, um, my annoyance level at um, all the white people I'm mostly immediately surrounded by is um, so much higher. <laughs> <laughs> And I think maybe I've just gotten too used to existing in this state uh, of, like, two levels, right? Um, this kind of put-on equilibrium that I have around white people or the unindoctrinated who just don't fucking understand what's going on. And I have learned how to make myself appear a certain way to them, um, where there's kind of, a, like, a minimal engagement and this surface-level treatment. Um, and a lot of my professional relationships are like that and then the the deeply personal relationships where I'm you know having these conversations like with you about what's actually happening and what I'm actually feeling um and just like you know it's that it's living in two states and again that was also exhausting yeah yeah that's what's like annoying is that um or like an example of the privilege or the white supremacy is that white people can be exhausted and then choose to tap out and decide they're to close their um, racial theory books or decide to stop listening to democracy now or decide to stop going into the streets where like for black people for people of color it's not it's it's not something you can check at the door but i would venture further to say that it's not even about the privilege of checking out the privilege of white privilege is that they get to set the terms by which we establish what is to be talked about and what is not to be talked about. They get to set the default that we don't really talk about black death in mixed company. We don't talk about how black people are living scared right now. That we are like basically frightened for our existence um, at every turn. Like that's not considered etiquette. Um, And it's white people that have set those terms, that have made that, you know, like, made that a subject that's not worthy of being like embraced or you know discussed in depth and that is the problem of white privilege the fact that we have to live in these separate states at any given moment in order to exist within this world 
and it's frustrating and I'm sick of it. I do not want to live out the rest of my days like this. Yeah. No, oh yeah, I think yeah, that's great points and yeah. Yeah, no. White white comfort is is a settler colonialism is the is the is a thing that um has led to so much shit like white comfort convenience the idea of um white people not needing to disrupt themselves and now I feel like especially in Portland it's also like twisted into this like idea of like white people have appropriated like self-care and it's like <laughs> oh I can't you know we can't talk about race that's gonna like be traumatizing for me and my like white personhood or um like whatever else like how things are like warped and like twisted and like merged to now where um t- yeah like as you said like talking about races um in mixed company around white people is seen as um, or has always been seen as, yeah, being problematic, being um, this nuisance. Like, yeah. why do you have to be this Debbie Downer? Why do you have to talk about race all the time? Yeah. In the meantime, let me go buy this house in Alberta. Mm-hmm. Um, so, <laughs> or Mississippi. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's, I mean, I was, like, I feel like I've always known this, but I think, like, you know, of course, like, I think America is so expert at lying to itself lies to itself so expertly about like its own self i mean i think people do that individually so of course like nations or states will do that mm-hmm. um That's true. but like i think because like we always like look to places or like americans i feel like always portrayed like places like south africa or even like australia as these like other states obviously i think it's like maybe in part because they are still like part of the british commonwealth something that we shook off that like that was not so something that was so much more distant to us mm-hmm. than it really was. But what I think, like, when, when you think about it, it's like it's the exact same DNA of these things. Like, I mean, South Africa and, like, Australia, the white people came and um, started, like, killing the black people there. Mm-hmm. Where, like, in America, they came and killed the indigenous people, mm-hmm. but then brought black people here. Mm-hmm. So now the Americans are, like, living with, like, the black ghosts or whatever. They kidnapped black right. people here. Well, they kidnapped black, you know, artists and families and like artisans and like doctors and like they kidnapped people with lives and like exported them to this other place and then killed them in multiple different ways yeah but then yeah looking and being like oh wow australia is so fucked up or so racist or the way they treat like um the the aboriginals or the indigenous people of australia like the way we shake our heads yeah or the way like south african like white minority has like able been able to like exert power like Mm -hmm. rule up until like you know recently um and this is and, and like not to derail the conversation but this is this is the problem that i have or the struggle that i have as an artist because i am fully cognizant of the ways that art um, and media have been used to push this propaganda of a certain image of what America is. And like, I try to be self-aware of the ways in which I fall into that just by virtue of having grown up here and living here and the, the things that I include in my art that may further propagate that, that troubled lie of what America is. But like, this is the problem that I have with art a lot of times, like, because art in some ways is propaganda. um, And it is kind of, it's pushing this belief of what America is, um, or what people want America to be. Yeah, no, I think, yeah, like, like white people are, are, yeah, the settlers, they come, 
they try to replicate how life was wherever like they came from where in Europe they came from they try to like not um adjust to like however life is in whatever like new place they've mm-hmm. um colonized they're like now we bring our ranches mm-hmm. now we bring our bulls and now we bring our horses and like let's just replicate this world and it's like that's literally what they did in the United States that's what they've done in, like South Africa that's what done in Australia these fucking ranchers these fucking settlers are literally like fucking people bringing their homesteads mm-hmm. and then everything that's not them everything that's indigenous is seen as evil and sent to be exterminated mm-hmm. while these like these foreigners these invaders are now the new normal um as they uh, eradicate whatever existed in that land before not but not before they you know kind of um borrow and pick and choose certain aspects of each culture that they want to appropriate for themselves mm-hmm. right they kind of, it's vampiric yeah, yeah, maybe maybe not like the rancher, the first generation rancher, but the first generation rancher's kids are gonna be like, oh, maybe some of the indigenous stuff that my parents hate is is kind of cool mm-hmm. or whatever. Mm-hmm. But then on two, this is tangents, but I feel like directly related. And you said something that made me think about this, but I was thinking, or I heard, I had heard something about um, this idea that like black culture is like America's like last global soft power. Or whatever mm-hmm. the fact that like you know black people benefit nothing from um, America's uh, exportation of black culture, right. but yet America as like the state as this entity benefits so supremely from it. While the black people in America making the culture like get nothing from black people being popular all over the world. Mm-hmm. We get lied to about how black people are not popular all over the world. <laughs> yeah, we're like I guess everything <laughs> except for black people about black people are popular. Right, you go to like. Um, other countries and they literally I have everything about black people minus the black person <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> so even to this day history is always being like rewritten mm-hmm. unless yeah everybody yeah, has to say time. yeah everybody has to stay vigilant because like literally things are just being re-remembered however it's convenient to the people in power yeah <clears throat> we had a pretty high profile death recently yeah we did D- DMX, Earl Simmons, rest in power. Um, this one hit me harder than I expected. Like, first of all, it came out of nowhere, which I guess it didn't, like, if you... He had been in the hospital for, like, what, a couple of weeks or a week leading up to it? Yeah. But, like, it, it feels like there's been a wave of high-profile deaths of black people in middle age which I find disturbing um, and kind of, and I think we're gonna continue to see this as we see the kind of disparities in healthcare um, and life expectancy for black people. Um, But it's just weird to be experiencing this and seeing the deaths of people who are not that far in age from me um, as we kind of, you know, go through this. but like I guess the the DMX death hit me so hard because like he is you know a product of like hip hop culture um, and he was a big part of that in the like nineties and late nineties and early two thousands. But something that already that always stood out to me is kind of like his sort of raw vulnerability because that's not something that was that has been fully celebrated within hip hop culture, right? But he's been pretty. Um, transparent about his struggles with like spirituality and addiction um and 
that was one of the things that I always felt drawn to um, in his work and in his art. So to lose that voice, it was just, it was an unexpected pain, I think. Um, and I say this like with the kind of um, preface that I understand that there are real reasons not to fuck with DMX because they were walling in the late 90s and the 2000s, uh, early 2000s, and a lot of um, artists, not just hip hop, but across the board, said some problematic shit and did some problematic shit. So I do want to acknowledge that. But that was an artist that I connected to um, in terms of like the levels and the modalities with which he performed. So. Yeah, no, yeah, I feel all that. I feel like, yeah, um, I was definitely bummed out by DMX. DMX, yeah, it felt, it felt wrong. Um, his death, yeah, again, it felt too young, too early. Um, the things that, yeah, like DMX had like talked about going through in his life, um, had experienced. Um, yeah, it's not, it's not like um, killing by police, but I still feel like these, all these other um, systematic acts mm-hmm. to seek to shorten black people's lives. Um, I do feel like, yeah, that's that's part of what, like what makes it sad. Um, I feel like about DMX is that like maybe like yeah in another scenario he would have been able to live longer and stuff mm-hmm. um i definitely yeah i definitely felt like a connection to dmx feel like remember him from being younger and like growing up with them um i appreciate yeah i feel like then there was i feel like even there was even like a time um like later where i felt like he you know i feel like he's always been like a an element of the culture that like could be like referenced or like talked about but then i think maybe he was even like the butt of jokes for a time um, you know, like being like becoming like have his, his moments of like less success or whatever. Yeah. Um, then even yeah, becoming like a reverend or whatever that uh, that turn that some rappers eventually take. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, like I think yeah, like DMX and me. Um, definitely, I wanted to hear maybe it's because like I'm living in Portland and um, off of Williams, where now it's just surrounded by white people. I was expecting to hear just more DMX in my atmosphere mm-hmm. you know for a longer period of time i feel like you know sometimes when like other people die you'll be hearing the music for like months and months and months afterwards or whatever mm-hmm. um so yeah everybody go home play your dmx catalogs mm-hmm. um yeah then i mean so yeah that that feels rough uh there are like you know moments that i feel like feel uplifting in it you know seeing like the rough riders outside this hospital um yeah and yeah. then even like the funeral footage of DMX on the monster truck yeah. then um that having like that kind of big funeral because i think yeah like like to your point i think everybody um really does feel like a special spot for dmx because yeah he was vulnerable when it's it's hard to be vulnerable and i'm sure he like suffered from being vulnerable and being honest like a lot of times in ways that didn't make him look better mm-hmm. um but that's that's what honesty is it's not just like when it's convenient right. um and um but yeah then even um you know like i feel like after somebody dies like all these videos start surfacing of like them and like random random encounters or like random things like that which, there were um, so many stories of people that just bumped into him yeah and he like did all of these random acts of kindness yeah so i love like hearing those and like seeing those come up i was actually on tiktok earlier today and there was um a video of like uh some girl um was like working at like a convenience store and she just like has her phone like recording her mm-hmm. and um she's like there and um i guess it's that sometime during covid because they're all like wearing covid masks and stuff like that um and then you can like hear somebody like talking and it sounds like dmx 
but at first, like, she doesn't, like, believe him or just, like, it's not going to be like he's anybody else. And he's like, do you need anything else? And he's like, he's like, maybe. He's like, I don't know. Is there anything else I can, you know, I need? Um, and then she's like, and then she, like, you know, like, blows him off. He's like, no, whatever. Um, and then I think something happens, like, starts putting together. She's like, you look and you sound like, and she's like, yeah, man. You know, he's like, he's like, you don't, he's like, you don't see other people taking pictures of me right now. And she's like, no, you're not. You look and sound like him. And she's like, look at the tattoos. And then he's like having to convince her that she's even. He's like, oh shit, you are him. You know, it's like, yeah. He's like, let me see your ID. He's like, it's not gonna say DMX on it. And, <laughs> you know, and it, it's, just, it's just really funny. And then you see her like her whole mood change. Just like when she realizes, and she pulls down her mask, and it's like, oh my god. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's cool. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah, to to your point earlier, like to be actually witnessing in real time the the toll that these kind of death by a thousand cuts, like the systematic racism takes on black people. Um you know, and as someone who has also suffered from the some of the same things, it's just really rough. And it seems to be happening at a much quicker clip. And maybe that's because I, too, am getting up there in age. But, like, it just feels like a lot. Like, I don't feel like my mother's generation saw this much death of, like, contemporaries. Yeah. So. yeah I, didn't, I didn't think about that. Because I was thinking, like, yeah, that, like, oh, yeah, like, the people we've listened to in the 90s mm-hmm. and stuff like that are now starting to get older. Um, but, yeah, I didn't think about, like, that ratio compared to maybe, like, yeah, other people's generations if it's. Yeah. If it's like worse, or there's something else, or um, life's gotten even worse, um, it's hard to think about it too. I'm sure there's like studies about like what the like life for like black people is, but it seemed like maybe there's a point in the '70s where it seemed like maybe things were like the as a less militarized police state against black people. There was like a pre, small window. There was a small like a window, Jimmy Carter like region pre Vietnam War, maybe right before they got back. There was a small window of like. Um, so what maybe driving like black life 65 to 68 yeah. those, yeah, like those three, three those three those windows <laughs> <laughs> well if you were there I'm sure they're great so <laughs> yeah <laughs> all right let's let's uh let's uh move on to something a, a little more silly with some um some of these young kids that um, I don't quite understand. <laughs> uh, Lil Uzi Vert and City Girls, uh, Carisha and JT. So Max, what's the background on this? Um, so it seems like, from what I've heard, mostly Melanie Stevens, um, <laughs> <laughs> that um, JT of City Girls is dating Lil Uzi Vert, um, Mr. Uh, $26 million diamond in the forehead. I haven't heard about that, so I wonder if it's still in there. Um. So yeah, they're dating, and then um, they're in love. I'll they're in love, you know. of course, of course. Uh-huh. Um, don't date unless you're in love. That's what I always say. They're as uh, in love as you can be at uh, 23, 24, well, 25. That's, those are the three years. That is, that is, that is good. <laughs> um. And then oh yeah, so so what so what do we have? And so the, the scene opens up to uh, Instagram Live between um. Carisha Young Miami of City Girls and um, Lil Uzi Vert and Lil Uzi Vert's just talking wild um, talking wild to her um, I don't remember all the specifics talking but this was like, straight out the side of his neck 
he's like you yeah, don't know shit or like fuck you or something like that he's like i don't even talk to you and she's like being like i don't talk to you or i don't know what this is coming from i don't remember any of that this is his partner's best friend and business partner mind you mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah so he's like he talks some wild to her and um, jt is i think he's either on jt's phone uh well i think he might be on jt's phone or on her account and she's there with him watching him talk like this to her bff mm-hmm. and then um yeah so maybe maybe you can carry it on from your mom okay. <laughs> um so yeah here's what i'm gonna say about this um not to get to get off my lawn with this bullshit but i'm old school i came up in the, in the age of like the mid to late 90s where the rap girls kept their private life private and they kept their business business. Um, so there's a reason why we don't know who the fuck SWV or Queen Latifah or MC Light or Salt and Pepper were dating. Well, we kind of know a little bit about who Pepper was dating, but that's another story. But like, we don't, we didn't really know, know the ins and outs of those relationships. And I hate to be that person, but I kind of liked it that way when you kept your your private business biz like private um yeah yeah i don't know if it's like these these people specifically i think it's just the technology and age we live in mm-hmm. i'm sure like you know queen latifah and mc light would have been very different had they had social media had they had so? i'm sure i'm sure like they would they be possess a certain kind of well maybe they didn't have that savvy i feel like they did kind of have that savvy back then where they would have compartmentalized shit. I feel I feel like it's hard it's hard to it's hard to say, it's hard to compare. I think um I really think yeah, I think it, it has to do so much with your your setting and your situation and the fact that this is what life is now. It's like Instagram live mm-hmm. arguing back and forth. I think that's like the world we live in now and if you're not really engaging in that, I feel like you're almost less relevant. Mm. Well, damn. I think I don't know. I mean, I don't know. Like, I'm I'm 32, so I can't tell like what's super cool. I can't tell if like the artists that don't like, you know, aren't on social media all the time. The ones that are still like very withdrawn. Like, if there's like a contemporary print that you never know anything about, mm-hmm. or um, or if that you can't exist that way as an artist. I mean, I wonder about that for myself as like a visual artist. But it seems like to even be more so the case for like musicians or other forms of celebrities that need a very active social media purpose or some of them get famous because they have a very big social media presence and then like oh, i have three million followers now i'm going to release my first song yeah yeah but i will say this though <laughs> um do we really know who megan the stallion is dating we do not right she, no i don't think so. she maybe. keeps that pretty private and i yeah. think that's just a smart ass business move okay that's a good point um that yeah, Megan Thee Stallion is not being that kind of messy. Um, yeah, so so maybe who knows? Maybe alcohol is involved because I don't like I, I don't like I don't keep up that <laughs> alcohol much alcohol and, and other things. Uh-huh. I don't keep up with Uzi Vert at all, so I don't know how often he goes on Instagram Live to like talk shit to people mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, so I can't tell how um, normal or not normal it is, or mm-hmm. how like un out of the realm of like normal celebrity stuff this is because i i do see you know i remember like when takashi 69 was mm. a thing you know him being on instagram live talking shit to like everybody that would answer takashi 69 um, is an 
is an outlier that uh-huh. we will not get into. But I think I think I think he's an outlier in the sense that he's like gonna become normal within the next like five years. Really? Yeah, because he show he has a template for how to be successful, even if now his like career is over. He still has like a millions of Instagram followers. I don't I don't know like how he I, makes money now. I just now assume or, like, those are bots. To be they they <laughs> might be. Um, but uh. Yeah, I think he still showed a template for other people that are going to be like, yeah, maybe he fucked up, but, like, I'll do it better than him. Or, you know, the idea that, like, you'll, like, you know, when, you you know, people that watch, like, the first half of Scarface, they're like, okay, this is the key to success, and I'm never going to watch the second half. <laughs> <laughs> he buys his mansion, he has mountains of cocaine, end. <laughs> you know? Now, that's the happily ever after I'm looking for. Yeah, they should recut it. Yeah, recut that movie. <laughs> <laughs> and Tony Montana lived to be a ripe old age, like eighty eight or something. <laughs> but you were telling me before the show that uh, Louis Bird is trying to backtrack. He's shuffling his way backwards. Sorry. Yeah. So, so Melanie, I feel like had the had the majority of the story, but I found out a little um, additional tidbits. Mm-hmm. One being that um, <clears throat> young Miami um is or has a boyfriend named Southside who I guess is a rapper and Southside and Lil Uzi Vert used to be friends or used to be homies or used to fuck with each other or like came up together um some combination of mm-hmm. the two and um now he's going out talking shit to, to Uzi Vert being like how dare you talk to my girlfriend that way blah 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 like all this stuff and then um so I think that's like prodded Uzi Vert to come back out and more recently or state that he was just playing that um that's him and Acrecia's um relationship that's kind of like that's how they play with each other she was like she's my girlfriend's best friend you know we were just playing like um she says fuck you to me all the time blah blah blah. that's how we play mm-hmm. so <laughs> do you believe this i don't believe it um <laughs> but i guess that's like deniable you know, it's like, oh, well, maybe that's true, but I don't, it didn't seem, it didn't seem like anybody was having fun. <laughs> it didn't seem like nobody was having fun about that. Yeah. So, yeah, so I don't know. That's what he said, but who the fuck knows? Who the fuck knows? Yeah. Well, I want to hope and think that JT and Carisha will not let uh, Lil Uzi Vert come between their friendship and um, their amazing work. Yeah. I enjoy many of their oof and i hope that they continue on for a long period of time no i i definitely agree i think um this would be a bad look for easy for it if he ever caused any division between city girls mm-hmm. and um yeah i just i just think yeah that's it's all it's all bad yeah um, but yeah but i guess that potentially is a segue to our next topic mm-hmm. of um cloning <laughs> take um, it away max so as we as we discuss regularly and often on that Turner project, um, is abductions, abdications, um, <laughs> cloning, clowning. Um, but today we're going to talk specifically about cloning. You know, we know um, several of our favorites have already been cloned, have been replicated. Mm-hmm. Um, potentially one of us here mm-hmm. is not the original. That's true. Um, who knows? You know. Um, surprise. Surprise. <laughs> And then with that being said, you know, obviously some of the famous examples are his Gucci Mane clone. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gucci uh, Mane home. Oh, Gucci no, Mane he's a clone. definitely cloned. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely. So. I, I would like to pose a theory 
Um, I've done lots of research. I believe that Pharrell is a clone. Where, at what point did he become his clone? Mm, that's a good question. <laughs> mm. I'm going to say, like, right around the Robin Thicke era. Mm. Probably. Like, prior to, uh, was it Blurred Lines? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, like, we, he's like, no, I'm not going to do that. That's Yeah, like... That's plagiarism. And it's like, oh, that was the last straw for real. Yeah. <laughs> that was the last straw for real. So this whole new black thing, that's definitely cloned for real. Mm-hmm. So do you think there's a single entity behind the cloning? Mm. Is it different people or a single organization? Do you remember um, Undercover Brother? I do. Yeah, it's like this. <laughs> Duh. <laughs> that's insulting. Yeah, they're like a single entity that's like trying to replace all these black people for their own um agenda is it a bunch of like different potentially competing organizations working to use black people as pawns in their cloning game um do does that mean that the originals are dead mm. are they are they the stowed away from are dead. or are they still being like mined for that's, their talent that's a beautiful idea but the originals are dead okay. <laughs> the originals are dead they are. um and then i guess the question is um So, like, they upload the clones with all the memories of um, the original. The important memories. The, the important ones, okay. Yeah. They, the, I think that they selectively delete the memories that would negate some of their agendas. Mm, okay. That's how you get new black. So how, how would they know, like, if they're, like, going through, what, the, like, the synapses of mm-hmm. the brain to be like, oh, this is, like, a frail memory that's going to, like, you know, we need to remove in order to like allow him to be um, get to the new black phase. Yeah, like let's <laughs> yes. take out these certain moments where he worked with the Neptunes. Let's take out these certain moments where he worked with Teddy Riley. They they're competing um, mm-hmm. <laughs> ideologies or whatever. <laughs> Shit. Okay. <laughs> That's good. I mean, but they would have to be experts, right, to do this stuff. That's true. And then so wait, wait, wait. hold on. Do you think that means that there are black insiders who are doing this? Wasn't isn't that isn't undercover brother at the end revealed to be a black person behind it all? That's true. Oh no, this got very <laughs> very disturbing very quickly. Yeah, that's like when we should like all right, we're gonna stop recording. We're not gonna. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, with that said, so the most recent theories or um, suggestions are that JT, who we were just speaking of um, from City Girls, is potentially a clone. And this is based off of, I think, multiple things. The fact that her personality, I guess, according to some now seems different, mm-hmm. um, including that she allowed Uzi Vert to talk to her best friend that way. So wait a minute. So JT spent some time in prison, right? Or in jail? I'm not, I don't know. Um, she spent some time in the pen, so maybe... The person who came out is not JT. Yeah, I think that seems. I mean, to be, isn't that what we think for Gucci? Yeah, that's how they seem. To, that seems like a really easy place to do the body switch. So wait, so that begs my next question, Bobby Schmurda. Is that a clone? I don't. I guess we'll have to wait and see. But I mean, I think based on what we've established here today, he should be on the watch list. Definitely. Should be on the clone watch list. Definitely. Mm. 
This is all very disturbing. Yeah, I mean, now we can we can start tracing it back to be like when people leave prison, how do they how do they seem compared to when they went in? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But yeah, with that said, so JT is now suspected of being cloned, um, based on several different things. But one of them that I'll read here is that um, her uh, Instagram bio says City Girl 2.0. So I think people have started to read into that that she's at least the second version. Mm-hmm. And I am not a celebrity, as in maybe the clone, as in um, accepted her stardom yet. Mm-hmm. And then um, the other the other name now in the clone debate is Megan Thee Stallion. Wait, what? Yeah. You did not alert me of this. <laughs> this is. I feel like you should have put this in the show notes so I can be prepared. This was in the show notes. It said JT and Meg. Oh, damn. Okay. Thank you, Vodka. And then the second screenshot is a Megan Thee Stallion. Okay, screenshot. all right, calm down. Okay. So maybe I skimmed the notes. Okay. Wait, why are people saying that Megan? So I think she has like a new video coming out, and a lot of it's like her being like in a back to tank, all like being robotified. But there's also this video where it says like system message loading. Megan Thee Stallion is recharging due to the demands of the hot girl lifestyle. Meg has now entered a period of regeneration to prepare for what's next, and her absence management will manage all social posting on her behalf of the hot girl coach. Um, the hotties lead a brave resistance and anticipation for the return of their fearless captain. So, of course, um, the conspiracy heads online are taking this to also be a very thinly veiled, you know, how do you get away with the lies by making it as truthful as possible? Mm-hmm. Um, that Megan the Stallion has is being replaced, is in the process of replacement, um, mm-hmm. has a team of people now um, at the controls. That would be very unfortunate. There have been rumblings that Megan is booed up and is trying to, like, calm down or whatever, which would be unfortunate because... Not be a hot girl anymore. Yeah. Not be on the streets. Yeah, not be out in the streets, not before the streets or of the streets, and to which I say that would be an unfortunate loss Yeah. for all of us. Mm-hmm. That would be. Um, but who knows, maybe that means that there will be a, like a, a revival, a street revival when the relationship ends. Mm, that's true. Um, Should come back stronger. Or that's part of the way to make her seem less um, in the spotlight as the cloning process continues. Mm. Like, oh, she's in a relationship. She's not trying to like be all out anymore. Like, well, that's convenient. So it's a part of the right. part of scam. The boo is mm. the It does seem very lab. out of character. Right. Yeah. So think about that. We know these celebrities better than most, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and we should and we should be able to uh, to tell, like, um, you know, I think, you know, people know black intuition. Um, mm-hmm. Never doubt it. Unparalleled. Unparalleled. And um, with everything else the government has done to black people up to this point that they've even admitted to. Yes. Why the fuck like would they? in our face. Right. Why the fuck would they not be like, making the science too dangerous? We need to neutralize that. Neutralize, neutralize, neutralize. Yeah. And then what's like, what's, what's like the evolved form of like co-interpro? You know, they used to send like what, the letters to, um, about like Martin, fake letters about Martin Luther King to his like co-workers or whatever. Mm-hmm. They sent like. Um, it's BET. Yeah. BET is a new form of co-interpro. <laughs> Maybe they were and it's like, oh, BET's not working anymore. Nobody watches TV. <laughs> Nobody watches 106, you know, uh, 106 and Park needs to come back. Um, so now they're like, let's just directly replace 
the. I'm going to hell. <laughs> directly replace them with clones, and then they could be our new, um, the new talking point or whatever. Yeah. So. That's that's what I think about that. Yeah. And it's, it's it could be true. Watch out. Stay alert. Um, stay woke, y'all. Mm-hmm. Because um, you could be next. And you probably will be. Yeah, you might already have been replaced. Ask yourself, you know, what happened to those three hours you don't remember last week? Yeah, because the clones, they don't know. Either. They don't know. That's the beauty of it. Don't you feel like a weird sensation at night? Something at the corner of your eye? That's probably the computer chip. Mm-hmm. Does your beard not quite connect? Right? Mm. That's always a tell. <laughs> All right, so I think it is time for our segments. Mm-hmm. Um, I am inebriated a little bit. Um, so forgive me if this is a little um, <laughs> less neat than it usually is. What Old Mr. Talking Trash About Shug. Folks don't like nobody good. being too proud or too free. Now, you know more than a juke joint Jezebel. But Sealy's Glass of Water is um, a special shout-out I give to uh, the folks who are doing the most with the least. And this episode, Sealy's Glass of Water, goes out to Nancy Pelosi. Nancy Pelosi, you raggedy bitch. (laughs) Now, before I get into this, I think that it's important that you all hear the sound clip um, as reference. We can listen to it too live if you want, and then cut it out. And okay. If you want it, because I haven't. Yeah, let's do that. Um, is there a video on this link? Um. Yeah. Um. Oh, okay. There's. Thank you, George Floyd, for sacrificing your life for justice, for being there to call out to your mom. How how heartbreaking was that? call out for your mom. I can't breathe. But because of you and because of thousands, millions of people around the world who came out for justice, your name will always be synonymous with justice. Thank you. Alright, so there you have it, folks. Now, ideally it would take me about two or three hours to break down the nuts and bolts of every place where Nancy Pelosi had us fucked up here. Um, So I'm going to condense it into this little spot here. So the part where she says, thank you, George Floyd, for sacrificing your life. George Floyd didn't sacrifice shit. He was murdered by the state. He didn't ask for this. He was living his life, and he was murdered in cold fucking blood. I don't know any other way to state this, to make this clear to people who don't recognize black life as valid life. But he didn't choose this. This was not a choice that he made. This was a life that was taken. And to equate it to a sacrifice for your ends or for like any sort of means is insulting, it's degrading, and I can't even get into the levels of despair that I have about this. Next up, sacrificing your life for justice. Justice? This was not justice, this was basic, minimal ass accountability 
for a murderer getting sent getting charged um, for murder that is not justice justice would be so much more so much more that we haven't gotten that we continue to not get to the degree that we can't even fathom what it would take to get justice for all the lives that have been taken okay so to equate this to justice is just a sad and disgusting oversight the part where she says for being there to call out to your mom how heartbreaking was that call out to your mom i can't breathe you equated the last moments in this person's life to a fucking anecdote to you for your soundbite i don't even know how to get into the levels of dehumanization there I am sickened by this. I'm further horrified that you waited 0.5 seconds after the verdict to make this statement. Like I understand the political positioning that put you in the spot to have to make a statement, but you could have chosen to opt out and take some time to actually fucking sit and think about this and to write something that is appropriate and suitable. That is always a choice. You could have chosen to say nothing and you chose to say this. It is clear from this statement that you don't see black people as people. And I don't know if there's any way to fix that, but I will say fuck you. Fuck all of the people within your positions of power that feel this way and I will continue to opt out of choosing to listen to you so that I can continue to live my life and feel like a fully realized human being. And that's all I have to say about that. Damn, yeah. That's fucking disgusting. I fucking can't believe that. The thank you, George Floyd, for crying out for your mom. Like, what the fuck? That's Nancy Pelosi. That's so wrong. You're so wrong. I'm so wrong. But <clears throat> with that said, um, as I try to do a graceful sway segue, um, <laughs> we move on to parting words. Wait. Um. What about just the facts with Max? See, I didn't see at first because I thought the last time we had done like an individual episode, we didn't do the segments, so okay. I didn't. So I didn't know you were planning on doing one. Okay. Um. But I can add a just the facts if we should. I do enjoy your not. just the facts. With Max. Next up is just the facts with Max. <laughs> I'm stating facts, 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 facts. The most teeth in the mouth is 37, achieved by Vijay Kumar, as verified in Bangalore, India. On September 20th, 2014, VJ has five more teeth than the average number for adults. I'm stating facts, 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 facts. Wow, that was interesting. <laughs> that was illuminating, Max. Thank you, Melanie. Um, now on to parting words, and um, I guess I will have the first of the parting words. Okay. <clears throat> Um, so what's up for me is um, some upcoming things. Um, we got a Paragon show at Paragon Art Gallery with Jalisa Johnson and Sarah Brahim coming up in May. Um, details soon to follow. If you are not on my email list, get on it. Um, Androids in the Towers coming up this July. Check that out. Stay, stay alert. 
And um, what else? Future. Uh, very excited for some future uh, who all going to be there episodes. We have some really exciting guests coming up. Yeah. And we got our new spot, so I can't wait. And um, thank you, as always, to Melanie Stevens. It's so nice to be with you in person again. Yeah. Um, great time, fun times. Um, yeah, thank you to our listeners um, who are all going to be there. Wow, thank you, Max, for reminding me. This is the first time we have recorded a show in person in a year and a half, which is mind-boggling. Um, and this is the first outing that I have taken um, outside of quarantine in, like, a year. Um, so it's pretty amazing. Um, Harding Words, um, Watershed 2 is coming out next month, May for sure this time for real guys sorry um but it's actually happening i actually finished my shit this time um i'm super excited um that will be made available on my etsy shop blackfempress.com for a whopping 15 dollars. so it will be available to purchase it's the second in the series I'm also going to do some reprints um, of the lino cut that I did of the Minneapolis PD burning down for obvious reasons. So that will also be available on my Etsy. Um, in terms of like more front-facing art, public art stuff, um, I don't have anything happening yet, but I will keep you all posted as things come in. Oh yeah. Bye y'all. Bye y'all.